time, Mary got ready and hurried to the hill town in the country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Mary was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfil his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. He has looked with favour on his lowly servant. From this day all generations will call me blessed. Almighty has done great things for me, and his home is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arm and scattered the proud in their conceit, casting down the mighty from their thrones and lifting up the lonely. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich empty, empty. He has come to the aid of his servant Israel to remember his promise of mercy, the promise made to our ancestor, to Abraham and his children forever. Amen. Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and shall be forever. Amen. Martin, would you like... Oh, good morning, everyone. The, the last time I was uh, preaching on a Sunday morning was three weeks ago in Liberia. And I'd been asked to wear an African outfit that had been specially bought for me. And it was far too big and I felt like I was preaching in a sack, so uh, a bit better today. <laughs> also, uh, it was very hot and very humid, so uh, I was absolutely drenched with sweat, and it, it was running off me, and even the sort of, the, all the front of the trousers were just soaking wet, so uh, I hope by the end of my sermon this morning, uh, <laughs> you won't see a, a drenched rat or something in front of you, but an uh, interesting experience, to say the least. But Christmas time. I uh, learnt this week something that I, I'd not discovered before, that up until the 1200s, Easter was the big celebration in the Christian year. Obviously, I mean, Easter is still quite a big celebration, but now Christmas has really taken over as the big one. Spend far more time building up to Christmas and spend more time off work as well. And 
Christmas is, is now the big one, and it's St. Francis of Assisi who really started to focus on Christmas, and then other people realized what he was uh, thinking was so good about Christmas, and they caught hold of, of what he was thinking. And while, of course, Easter is the big demonstration of, of God's power, his victory over death, how death is not the end for us. And so it's a wonderful celebration. They had at Christmas, Francis was pointing out, we see God in his vulnerability. We see a little baby. We see God coming to be one with us. The God of Easter could still be some far-off God, just simply a God of power. But the God of Christmas is a God who shares our life with us, who doesn't stay far away, but his love is so great. He doesn't just look down and think, oh, bless you, bless you, bless you, but he, he comes to be one with us. And Mary obviously experienced that to a far greater degree than any of us ever will. I'd like to go back a bit in the story before the reading when the angel appeared to, to Mary in the, the earlier part of Luke 1. And of course, when the angel appears to her, she is full of fear, not surprisingly, unusual occurrence and wonders what on earth is happening but the angel tells her not to be afraid because she's found favor with God and then the angel gives her this most amazing message you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus he will be great and we be, will be called the son of the most high the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary would have known all about this great promise that God had for his people. Around the, that, the time that Jesus was born, there was, a, there was a movement going on, expecting the Messiah expecting a, someone who would come to deliver them from the Roman rule that they were living under. They were all sort of subject to Caesar in Rome, and they were not free in their own land. They hadn't been free in their own land for, for centuries. And the, the hope had been building up. When is the Messiah coming? God has promised that he will send a deliverer and it would be a descendant of David who would rule forever. But their expectation was for someone to come and just simply sweep the Romans aside. There would be this wonderful, <laughs> glorious military figure, just like David. David conquered the, the land fully for Israel, and his descendant would come and he would restore once again Israel is ruling in its own land, and this Messiah would be the king. 
So Mary knew all about this. She knew what was expected. And then suddenly this angel has appeared to her and said, you will be this, <laughs> this Messiah's mother. And Mary wonders how it will be, how it will happen, because she's not yet married, she's a virgin. And the angel tells her that the Holy Spirit will, over, will overshadow her and she will conceive and the child will be called the Son of God. And then the angel tells her that even Elizabeth, Mary's relative, is going to have a child in her own old age. And she'd been barren, it said she couldn't conceive. But God had made it possible for her. And Mary's response was, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled. And then we move on to the, the start of the reading that, we, that Libby read to us. That that time Mary got ready and hurried to the town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Now that was quite some journey. It says she hurried off, but I don't know if she could have hurried all the way. Uh, Nazareth, where she was, right up in the north of Israel, the hill country of Judea is south of Jerusalem in the south of the country. It's several days' journey if you're on foot, so I don't know how hurriedly she would be on that journey. And she would have had time to reflect on all that God had done for her, all that God was doing, this amazing news that she had heard. How God was going to honor her as the mother of the Messiah. And why had he chosen her? She was, she was just a nobody from Nazareth. Yet God had come to her and chosen her more than that, though, the angel had said that it would be God's Holy Spirit who fathered the, the child to be born. That must have absolutely blown her mind. <laughs> and no one had heard of such a thing before. It wasn't even part of the, the Messiah's story that everyone was expecting that, that this was how it would happen. So she's got to get her mind around this. But then too, thinking, this isn't just simply going to be a great warrior that appears from my womb. This is going to be a baby. Because <laughs> everyone thinks of the Messiah coming and in his strength and his power and his might. And then suddenly, actually, I'm going to give birth to this person. It's just going to be a little baby. I've got this responsibility. She would have to change her thinking quite a bit, not just thinking about the powerful figure, but about the baby that she would have to care for, the baby she would have to nurture and protect. A sudden change of thought And then she arrives at Elizabeth's house. 
And Elizabeth is immediately filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit as she hears Mary's greeting and says that Mary is blessed because she has been chosen to bear this child. But she also says to Mary, blessed are you because you have believed that what the Lord has said to you will be fulfilled. And I think Elizabeth's in a very good position to say something like that because, of course, her husband, Zechariah, also had an angel appear to him and say that his wife would bear a son. And Zechariah didn't believe. So for the last six months, Elizabeth has been at home with a totally silent Zechariah who's been unable to speak ever since he didn't believe the angel's message. So now when Elizabeth hears Mary's voice, someone who's believed, the opposite of Zechariah. And when Elizabeth says to Mary, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. That's when Mary responds with her own song of praise. Her faith in God and all he has promised her, expressed by this wholehearted response of praise. And I think, too, there's a bit of a a key earlier in her response to the angel. In saying to the angel that she is the Lord's humble servant. And so, from that position of humility, position of saying, you are God, I I am simply your servant. Whatever God wanted for her, she would accept that, saying, let it be to me as you have said. That position of, of, of humility and service, coupled with the faith, believing what God had said, now outflowed in this wonderful song of praise that we have all said together, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. So Mary is singing of the great things God has done for her in choosing her. God has seen her in her humble state. But now, everyone, all generations will call her blessed because God has done great things for her. Then the song continues, and it's not just looking simply at Mary herself. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. 
He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. She's praising God because she knows he's going to turn the world upside down. How the people in power, the people who are taking all the resources for themselves, they are going to be humbled. But the humble, people like Mary, experiencing it in her own life, are going to be lifted up. And she probably didn't realize it at this time, but her song of praise was actually probably speaking to her baby as well. The humility that would be shown by Jesus. At this stage, I'm sure Mary hadn't fully grasped all the implications of what Jesus' life would be like. Yet Jesus was the greatest example of all of living in humility, but then being lifted up by God. Not taking that place of power, not taking that place of riches for himself, but living in poverty a lot of the time, living with no position of power, becoming just like us in every way. And then eventually, as he lived as a humble servant, God raised him up after he went through the most humiliating death that you could imagine, rejected by his own people in great pain. God raised him up. He wasn't just simply the powerful God of Easter but the God who came to be one with us, experiencing our life. Because love is like that. Love doesn't take the place of power. Love wants to be with us. Love wants to walk alongside us in those things that make us really joyful and in our celebrations, but also in our pain, in our grief. Love comes and walks with us. And where we are suffering in our pain and our grief, that the love of Jesus as he comes to where we are and helps us walk with him through, through those situations, doesn't just want to leave us there, but he, like his father, lifts us up. And so, at Christmas, we remember Jesus who came in love and in vulnerability to share our lives so that through the Easter power later. <laughs> he can demonstrate his, his ability to lift us up. But in our daily lives, from day to day, he wants to be with us. He wants to draw close to us. He wants us 
to humble our hearts enough to allow him to be with us, to love in him in return, and to respond to him, to respond to his presence in the faith of Mary, in the praise of Mary. Not simply that we have a great and powerful God who can do anything for us because nothing is impossible with God. But we have a God who walks with us through our darkest times as well as our most joyful times. We have a God who loves us enough to have experienced all of that and to help us in each of our situations at the moment. God who is with us, Emmanuel, not distant, but right here in our hearts, right here pouring out his love upon us through all our trials. Let us pray. Jesus, I thank you that you are, you are Emmanuel, God with us. I thank you that not only are you a God of power, but that you are a God who demonstrates your love in vulnerability, in humility, in the desire to be with us, the desire for us to know your love and to respond to you with love from our own hearts. And I thank you for the example of Mary. I thank you that she saw herself as an obedient servant, that she responded in faith to your Father's call on her life, and that she responded in praise, glorifying her heavenly Father, See, looking at all the power of, of her heavenly Father, but also his love in choosing her and seeing her. I thank you for that example. And I, Lord, I pray for each one of us, whether we're going through times of great joy or times of trial, that we would know your presence with us. We would know your peace in our hearts. We would know your strength. And we would walk together with you on the path that you have for us with praise in our hearts to you, knowing that you love us and that you are good. In Jesus' name, amen.